And now, this is the DDT Wrestling Podcast with DC Matthews and Doc Manson. I really expected a t-shirt, Doc Manson, at Doc Manson. A t-shirt, a scrunchie, some sort of record that you were at this concert you went to last night. I wouldn't really call it a concert, DC Matthews, at the DC Matthews. It was really just more of a um, a comedy show. She didn't sing? No, well, she sang, but again, it was more of a comedy routine. And what, where do you draw the line? I mean, Dennis Leary obviously has some songs that he did. Is he a concert or is he... Or is he uh, going to see a comedian? Because I would argue it's would more that, seeing a comedian. Well, Dennis Leary is a stand-up. Is she a stand-up? Um, at times, yes. Have we said on this particular show who we're talking about? No, I don't think we have. Well, welcome to DDT Wrestling. And uh, if you're here for the wrestling talk, uh, it's going to be a little while. Where did I put that paper? Oh, what no. paper? The predictions and productions. Predictions and productions from what? Where Extreme I was Rules? Nine for 11 from Extreme Rules. Amazing. I'm going to applaud you. Thank you. Yeah. But yes, you went to see Miranda Sings. Yes, Miranda yesterday. Sings. It was a fantastic show. Was it really? I enjoyed it very much. Yeah. How did Mrs. Manson feel about it? I think she enjoyed it as well. Would you see her again? I don't know. Um, maybe. I mean, I don't know if I would necessarily, you know, drive. And stay overnight. Like if it was someplace more convenient, I would. Or if I had heard that the sh- if I heard that maybe the show uh, was changed in some way, if, if I knew it wasn't the same material, then then yes, I suppose I would see her again. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. You made you made an event of this. You went to the big city or a big city. You stayed in a hotel. Yes, <clears throat> How were the accommodations? Yeah. Were there plush bathrobes? No, I don't think there were any bathrobes, actually, now that I think about it. But there were plush towels, and every room has a king-size bed, and the mattresses were quite uh, quite comfortable. Um, the pillows could have been a little more firm. They were extremely soft. But, you know, it was a, an older-style building. Um, it's definitely retro, and, you know, it was really cool. Was this a, was this a chain, you know, a residence inn, a Hilton Garden Inn, or was no. this a... No, I mean, at this point, I think... <sighs> It's, it's it's a that's an odd that's a difficult question to answer because I believe it was just previously owned by Hilton, but I believe it's been sold to another hotel company now. But it is a sort of landmark hotel in the I was in Providence and I stayed at the Biltmore Providence Hotel and the Biltmore, like I said, it was previously owned by um, Hilton, but I believe it's been sold off to someone else at this point. So, but it's weird. It's not really a Hilton. It it, it still holds its identity as the Biltmore. So. Okay. How is the water pressure of the shower? That's always something. Oh, fantastic. The water pressure was the, quite good. The, there are certain things I look for in a hotel. Water pressure uh, in the shower is one. As a larger guy, I prefer a curved shower rod, but that's not essential. Okay. But it's a nice touch. Uh, I can, uh, I can pillow- confirm that the shower curtain rod was, in fact, curved. It makes it. It just makes things more spacious. You feel like you could really move in. Yeah, to the shower. I mean, if you needed to. I will say that uh, the bathroom itself was rather small uh, for for you know a podcaster of a certain size like myself. 
it was definitely somewhat difficult, I would say, to to stand uh, at the facilities and, and and use them. So oh, okay, you know, being a little broad. <laughs> but it, uh, it, but yeah. had, it it had difficulty managing your girth, and I mean that solely in terms of your package. Well, well. I've spent too much time with GQ. Apparently, this, this is what this is what happens when I see GQ more than once a summer. Is I, I start talking like this, of course. Um, but yes, well, I am glad you had a good time. Was there an opening act? Did she open for herself? Yes. Yeah, so the way the character? show opens, uh, Colleen Ballinger does begin the show. Um, is her name Colleen? Does she really call herself Colleen? She does. It's she pronounces it Colleen. Yeah. Uh huh. Yep. That's, I, I don't know. I okay. don't know, but that's how it's said. Or at least that's how uh, Stephen Colbert said it, so I'm going to assume. Because he said, am I pronouncing that correctly? And she said yes. So unless she was just being exceptionally polite to Stephen Colbert, which, you know, is entirely possible. Um, well, and to be fair, his name is Colbert. Yeah. He chooses to call himself Colbert. Yeah. But so it is Colbert. Yeah. So I don't know, but All yeah. Right. So she opens for herself, and she does this sort of stand-up routine, and um, then she does do a little bit of music, and she sings uh, "Defying Gravity," which is this awesome sort of number where she she transforms into Miranda on stage. Um, does she sing? Wait, defy no, "Defying Gravity" isn't the one where it's two people singing because that's from Wicked. It's changed for good is the one where it's two people singing. Mm. Yeah, but it's it's quite good. Um, you know, so she she has she, there there's these two sort of mobile changing rooms that stage hands sort of bring out on the stage. She runs into one and comes out in the sweatpants. She runs into the other, comes out with the top on. She does up her hair. You know, she there's this moment where like you know the spotlight is on her and she's just got her hand up in the air and it's got the red lipstick. So everything just stops and it comes down and she does up the lipstick. And as soon as she finishes the lipstick, her songs, her singing voice changes from Colleen, who is quite a talented singer, to Miranda, who is not. And it's just this sort of fun, you know, dynamic back and forth sort of thing. And she begins, she becomes pe- Miranda. Um, How many people were in the theater? Um, I w- it was not sold out, but the f- I will say the theater was practically full. Um, maybe just like the last row and had but are some we, are empty we talking, seats. You know, is this like a seventy-five seat intimate thing? Oh. Is this a couple hundred? Yeah, I mean, I would say it's probably. Well, there's a balcony too, so I, it's hard for me to estimate, but it's probably at least like five hundred, maybe more. Good uh, for her. Yeah, I mean, Good for her, it's a decent sized place, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It was, it was you know a lot of going through. I, I, if I was disappointed about anything, is that she's maybe showing a lot of clips. There's like a, there's a screen behind her. There's a lot of clips from her YouTube videos are playing, but she she doesn't ever really go away. So I can't be that complained. I can't really be that upset about it, right? She's like, while the music might be showing there and showing her music video, like she might be dancing in front of it, or she might be providing extra commentary, you know. So it's it's there is a, there is a YouTube gamer. <clears throat> that I have watched, who apparently has done a tour, and that is a very similar sure. sort of thing. I think that's kind of the YouTube model: is you bring you bring some of that either either to fill time or just so people reference it, yeah, so they recognize things. And then she, you know, she definitely did a lot of interactive things. There's a good deal a good deal of improv. Like she brought 
several times throughout the show. She brought several volunteers in the audience up on stage with her and interacted with them and did different things. Like there was this one segment where she was trying to get people to complete YouTube challenges. Um, like one was, so there was like four people on the stage. One was her plus three others. And they were doing like the, the try not to laugh challenge. Um, you, you know, so she was doing all sorts of, of sort of, eye winky sort of inside YouTube things, but live with people and again with the improv aspects of it. And again, she's an excellent improver, very funny. She plays off of people very well. Uh, people of all ages. She had both little kids up on stage as well as, you know, older people as well. So she's she's definitely she's well aware, you know, of what the character is and um I don't know. It was just it was really a good time. Um I don't know how else what else to say. It was funny. Was was there a meet and greet afterwards? There was not. No, no. I think there was like a VIP meet and greet before the show, but I I did not attend. I did not uh, okay. get tickets for that. Would you like to meet her? You know, we've had this conversation about meeting our heroes, and I won't go I as know. far as to say that Miranda Sings is a hero of yours, but she is a celebrity in that you went and paid money to see her do something. So yeah, I mean, would you like to meet her? I don't. Mm, no, I don't think I would like to meet Colleen. I would, I think, like to meet Miranda, um, which I know is a strange juxtaposition to say. Um, but I think that would be a fun interaction that maybe I, you know, I'd be is tempted it, to improv it, myself, which could, would be. Is it the talent that, is it the character that fascinates you or is it the person behind the character? Definitely both. But I mean, she's just, it's both. I really like the character. I like the set nature of the character and it is also very well performed um, okay. like she's just very good at that character because my question is what is the shelf life of, and <clears throat> this is a broader question I suppose of any YouTube uh, personality you know I'm assuming that she's hoping to springboard this into whether it's an acting career or a musical career or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe she's very happy just to do, you know, because she's done, um, she did Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. She's done Colbert. She's been on uh, whatever Regis and Kathy Lee is now called. I don't know who any of the people are. She's definitely been on uh, Fallon a few times. Um, They bring her back. Uh, So maybe maybe she's just happy being this character. She's been Miranda for well over 10 years now. Um, She has well over a billion views on YouTube, um, and that's like going back through the early days where you could actually make some serious money on you. Like, I don't think she's hurting. You know what I mean? Like, I think she's had a career at this point. I suppose that is true. I, I, I think of it in the same way that I think of TV characters on television shows. You know, Michael Richards, who played Kramer on Seinfeld, at some point that show ended and he needed a second act. It didn't turn out very well for him, but he needed a second act. So I'm just wondering if she has longer term. And maybe not. Maybe she takes. Hard to maybe say. Maybe she's made enough money that she just I mean, rides off into the sunset. She did two seasons of a television show on Netflix. Like, in terms of a YouTube creator, I'm not aware of too many others that have done something at that scale. Uh, to, I mean, you still have, to your point is still valid. Does she have a second act? I don't know. But unlike the Kramer comparison that you made, you know, this is a character she created. She has the rights to it. She can do anything she wants with it. It never 
has to die unless she wants it to. Michael Richards didn't really have a choice. That's true. She's 31. And pregnant. Well, okay then. Which is very interesting, because that's become part of her act now. So one of the things I think is very interesting about the Miranda Sings character, um, the whole act in general... Well, let's preface this first. The audience that I was there in the theater with, predominantly 90% young girls. Like, I'm going to say, you know, somewhere between 10 and 13 years old. Like, when people screamed and were chanting Miranda, like, it was at an octave that caused my ears to want to fold up and recede into my head, okay? So, I mean, that's what we're talking about for the general demographic in this room. Um, of course, there were parents as well. Oh, I, this is a good story. When when we first sat down in the theater, we were by ourselves for a few minutes, and then someone came over. We were on the end seat, so they asked us to get up because so, they were you know, moving into the aisle. And, of course, they had the seat directly next to Mrs. Manson. Um, and so she, this person sits down, middle-aged woman. She looks at us, and she says, Oh, my kids are over there. Where are yours? And we just had this moment looking at each other, and we just sort of turned back to this woman and said, Oh, no, we're just fans. <laughs> and she's like, Oh, I've got two 12-year-olds. or not, Well, you know, one's hers, and the other one I think was probably a friend. They're over there. You know, I had to bring them, but of course I can't sit with them. They're at that age. And, you know, it's just... So, yes, I, I don't know how many other people in, in this audience were there um, of their own complete free will. I mean, beyond that that age demographic. But, jeez, um, where was I going with this? Oh, yes, the which, act. Which, the begs act. The, no, I'm sorry. which begs the question, mm-hmm. how many of them were in on the joke? How many of those 12-year-olds I don't know. understand that this is a satirical character? I'm hoping... A lot of them do. I'm hoping that, you know, kids are smarter than we give them credit for. I can't say for sure without sitting down and interviewing one of these kids or, you know, a dozen of them or a hundred of them. So it's hard to say. I don't know. But at the same time, the thing I was going to say about her act is it's it's actually relatively risque. Um, she, she's she's this good sort of character in like, you know, she's a she's sort of a this strong female role model in that she's she's got all the confidence in the world, even if it's perhaps unearned um she shows time and time again to not let the haters get you down like there's a positive i think message there for children but then also like this is again it's a positive message she's talking about how you don't have to be a sex symbol like she dresses with the button-down shirt and the sweatpants um in her words uh she doesn't do porn and that that term alone which is something that recurs there's a song about it just sort of being um you know, surrounded by, by again, 12-year-old girls, and then to think that their parents are sitting around as well, and they're condoning their children being here at this comedian act that's talking about pornography. Now, she again, she's doing it in a way that's actually very positive, but how many of those 12-year-old girls really know what porn is um, to really get that full joke? Like, I, I, don't, I don't know, and as a parent, I don't know how I would feel about that, but... Um, Again, the act plummet is risque, and since she got pregnant, that's, as I said, now becoming part of the act as well. She's been referring to herself in recent weeks as uh, the Virgin Miranda, and there's a lot of iconography now of, you know, the Mother Mary, but with her face photoshopped on top of it. Um, it's funny. It works. But again, as a parent... The last few minutes of you talking about this 
makes me feel like I should shame you for spending your money on this. Why? Because she's not... You're describing someone, you say she is a role model for young women, and then you're saying she's now granted... Do I want my students and my former students to have role models who don't do porn? Sure. But I don't want them to have role models who talk about it. And while I personally have no... But what's the stigma talking about it? I think it's actually good to sort of take away the stigma, don't you? To to be able to actually have a conversation about... Again, I'm not a parent. I don't know how I would react if it was my kid. I I teach seven and eight-year-olds, so... I'm saying, let's say those 12-year-old girls that you mentioned, they are four years older. I don't feel comfortable thinking of a child in middle school having a conversation in any form or fashion about pornography. And again, it's not necessarily that she's having a conversation about it. It's really just the statement, I don't do porn. Like... But you have to know what that means at some level. You know what I mean? See, and, and again, I wish that we were I, we could go back in time because I would like you to ask that mother of the of whether it's the two 12 year olds or the 12 year old and her friend. What kind of questions do you get about this? It could be that she's a 12 year old girl and she's not really paying any attention to it. I, of course, was a ridiculous, naive 12 year old child who would have glossed over that term completely. Sure. But. You know, and and maybe maybe that parent would say that it's led to some conversations that, while awkward, were positive, and maybe she does feel it's good. Neither of us are parents, so we no, can't say for sure. I can't, but I will say, again, there was a decent number of parents there in the audience. Nobody was disgusted. Nobody that's was true. dragging their kids out of the theater. Like they knew true. what this was. Clearly. And it's not, I've never heard any sort of negative pushback. You know, there are, I don't know, but there, there have been YouTubers who get pushback for various, somebody was walking around some forest in Japan and got negative flack for that. Well, or, he actually so, showed the body of somebody who had committed suicide. Like, oh, there's actual well, good so reason more for that. Um, yeah, uh, but but yeah, I mean, I, I again, this is probably my own background sort of shining through. I find the Virgin Miranda stuff far more questionable than than the other thing, because that's sort of a more drawn out thing, at least at this particular stage of the game. And I can just but again, we live in a country where I, I think those sorts of religious values are not seen are not are not as prominent as they were in days past. So maybe it is definitely a generational thing. Yeah. You know, the, the generation that not precedes us, postcedes us. Mm. What's the opposite of precedes? I'm going to go with postcedes. You got it right. The the generation (laughs) that follows us, they say, at least Penn Gillette says, I've been listening to his podcast quite a bit that, you know, the, the number of people who will identify as either atheist or agnostic or having no religious affiliation is going to drastically go up. So again, there's probably many 12 year old girls who don't have any idea what that means either. It's entirely possible. And so that's the thing I will say about her show is, and this is going to sound again, probably far too um, positive, but I I think about things like The Muppets, which is ostensibly a product that is made for kids, 
And yet, if you watch it as an adult, there is plenty there for you as well. And I feel mm-hmm. very similar about the Miranda Sings act. Um, it's very easy to gloss over to see this crazy acting lady with the funny makeup who's doing these outrageous things. And she's dancing around on YouTube like everybody wants to be a YouTube star. They're there. They see something there that they want to emulate in themselves. But at the same time, the performer behind it is also quite clever. And there are layers to the jokes that you're only going to get as an adult. Um, which I think is probably part of the appeal for me. Um, I don't know. Again, well-rounded show. I don't know. Okay. I suppose what I'm really saying is that just hearing you talk about what she's saying is making me uncomfortable, and so I am transferring that to all children everywhere that they are also uncomfortable. I don't think any of those children were uncomfortable. That's probably But, of course, those were all, again, all children who begged their parents to go and see this live show. The ones that aren't okay with it, I don't think we're at that theater. So there you go. What was the percentage? We're, we're past the 20 minute mark, but I have more questions. Uh-huh. Um, how many other males were there with you? Not many. There okay. were a few dads here and there. Sure. Um, and, you know, I probably saw half a dozen other similarly aged guys who appeared to be there without, say, children. So, not right. many. Not many. Okay. All right. Well, I'm glad you had a good experience. Oh, it was great. Did was was she selling merch? She was. There were tons of t-shirts and pants and shorts and things, all sorts of things. How expensive were they? I don't, I need don't specific know. Price. Thirty-five dollars or so. All right. I'm I'm looking into getting some new clothes and I am just appalled at the price of t-shirts. Uh-huh. Which is just a random thing. Well, all right. Thank you for sharing and thank you to our listeners for joining us on that escapade. Um I'm sure they will have questions. Podcast at ddtwrestling.com. We do have a number of emails that we will need to get to, but uh We would be remiss if we did not talk about the fact that Extreme Rules happened this past week. We are officially on the road to Summer Slam. Uh, We are on the road to TakeOver Brooklyn 3, 4. I can't remember what number we're at. We might as well just call it uh, Brooklyn 18 because that's what it feels like at this point. Go somewhere else. How about that? What did you think of Extreme Rules? It was fine. Um, if I had any real criticism of it, it's that the show, I mean, this is going to be sound like a really weird criticism because thank God for the first time in how God knows how long we all thought Roman Reigns and Bobby Lashley were going to main event that show. And they did not, they were in the middle of that show, but I don't know who put that show together. I don't know who, who gave us that Bobby Lashley win and decided that should go in the center of the show and Seth Rollins losing after a restart is what we should end the show with. I, I, I just it, it just seemed like things were a little oddly placed g- given how th- those matches turned out. But hey, whatever. I, I think they wanted the swerve of giving us Bobby Lashley and Roman Reigns in the middle of the show. Uh, my issue was and I love Seth Rollins. I like Dolph Ziggler. And I'm a fan of the Intercontinental title. However, you put the secondary title ahead 
of the primary title on SmackDown. Didn't make any sense to me. That part to me was weird. Now, I'm on the Wikipedia page, and I don't know if these times are accurate or not. It could be that they're not. But according to Wikipedia, with the exception of the Shinsuke-Jeff Hardy match, every single one of these matches ended at either exactly at a minute mark or, like, in the... It's only, it's like, so let me just read it to you because it's not going to make sense if I try to explain it. Seven minutes, eight minutes, eight minutes, 8.20, 5.25, six seconds, 8.05, 8, 20, 14, 50, 7.30, 15.35, and 30.10. What's that can't be possible? I mean, whoever inputted the things on Wikipedia were probably just rounding. Like, that's probably true. I'll check ProFight DB because this is those sort of Wait. weird statistical things that bother me. Why do you care? Shouldn't. I because it's it's how I how my brain works. Okay. Um, so, did you enjoy the Iron Man match? I know you are not a huge Ziggler fan. I know you are not a huge Seth Rollins fan. I mean, it was fine, and it played out pretty much exactly how we thought it would, um, with Drew getting involved and. Costing a pinfall okay. and they totally rounded. That makes me feel better. Oh, good. I'm, I'm glad that you feel better about this now. Thank you. Hmm. Um. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It was fine. I guess the Jeff Hardy Shinsuke match was awful. But if Jeff Hardy lasted six seconds, if he's injured, I mean, be I awful? guess. But... but they wrestled on SmackDown. I'm sure you didn't watch any wrestling this week. They wrestled on SmackDown and had an actual full match. And then Randy Orton went and did the best thing that Randy Orton has ever done in his life. He quit? No. Oh, I'm sorry. But what did he do then? He pulled Jeff Hardy around by the hole in his ear. Hmm. Which it looked awful, but at the same time, I'm like, oh, heal Randy Orton. You are better than face Randy Orton, if only by a small margin. Hmm. You, you you are better. Yeah, I mean, if you say so, I'm all done with Randy Orton, but that's fine. I know you are. That's fine. Are you all done with Jeff Hardy, too? Um, If he can come back and, you know, be in some decent shape and give us some matches, not. I don't think so. He still has some entertainment to give, potentially. Um, Here's the thing that really bothers me about the, the fallout from the pay-per-view, and again, I didn't actually watch any wrestling this week. But so we just we just watched Bobby Bob Bobbly Bobbly Lashley uh, de- defeat the big dog Roman Reigns, and as I understand it, Monday Night Raw we spent our time spinning our wheels as we always do, uh, having some triple threat matches in which we have now determined that the number one contenders for Brock Lesnar's title are Roman Reigns and Bobby Bobbly Lashley again. Um, I, I'm just. Um, here, here comes the explicit tag on this episode, DC. I'm just going to ask, what the fuck? I mean, what the fuck was the point of Extreme Rules? And what the fuck was the point of... I mean, I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. What was the Extreme Rules match for, if not ostensibly for the number one contendership? Like, it, it just... The writing... The only part that I will agree with you on because mm-hmm. it made perfect sense to me. I loved, I watched all of Raw and I watched all of SmackDown, and I enjoyed what happened on Raw with the triple threat matches and such. But the one point I will give you is we, weeks ago, 
we're going to have a multi-man match at Extreme Rules to determine the number one contender. And then that got canceled. So, yes, in everyone's heads, Lashley and Roman Reigns was for the number one contendership. So that part was a little strange. However, I had no trouble at all with the fact that on Raw, you made Elias and Drew McIntyre feel like they could contend for the world title. Maybe not beat Brock Lesnar, but they could show up and be part of that tier. They weren't part of that tier before, and now perhaps they might be. We had two high-quality matches that I enjoyed, and now we get Bobbly Lashley and Romain Reigns. Romain Reigns. Ooh, man, Romain Reigns. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had no problem with their program so far. The only thing that makes me nervous is because I'm now pretty sure that Romain Reigns is going to win. And we're just going to get Roman versus Brock. Five, four, five. I don't know. I stopped counting. It doesn't matter. So that part to me was I enjoyed seeing Paul Heyman back. I enjoyed his little interplay with Kurt Angle. I enjoyed all the people who came out on Raw to make their case for the Intercontinental title. All of that worked for me. But I will say... I understand where people are coming from who think, well, we're, it, it is spinning your wheels. We're exactly where we were before. Uh-huh. And if this was Seth Rollins versus Lashley or sure. Roman Reigns versus Finn Balor for the chance to fight Brock, it at least would be something different. And it's not. No. I will let them tell me the story. If it's Romain Reigns, I'll be disappointed. If, however, Bobby Lee Lashley wins again... And it's going to be Lashley versus Lesnar. I'm intrigued. I'm looking forward to that. I would like to see that match. Is part of your criticism the fact that you know or you feel like you know that that's not going to happen? No, I mean, I think it's a possibility. And by giving Bobby Lashley a win, they've at least properly made me think that the possibility actually exists. Um, They might get behind it as a one-off. So I I can't say that's the reason, but I don't know, man. Roman Reigns is just an inevitability, it seems like. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. It's just I'm just at this point, I'm just always dreading because I know it doesn't matter which way we turn. Juke left, juke right. There's always going to be a big dog waiting at the end of. You know, just, Do you just want to get it over with then? Yes. Let it happen at SummerSlam and move on with our lives? I wish they had done it at WrestleMania. But now we don't. <clears throat> we wouldn't have had the chance for Braun Strowman to cash in because that's what's going to loom over everyone's heads. If it is Roman versus Brock, either Braun cashes in and makes it a triple threat or Braun shows up, cashes in on Roman. Roman finally beats Brock, but then Brock, I mean, then Roman instantly loses to Braun Strowman. And everyone's happy. Or, or (laughs) Roman Reigns defeats Braun Strowman with a single Superman punch and retains his title. If Roman Reigns used, like, the crucifix, the razor's edge, or some sort of flashier finisher than a Superman punch and a spear, would you feel differently about him? Who can say? 
How do you feel about the B team as your Raw Tag Team Champions? You know, I'm fine with it, but I have to say... This is an instance where the team holding the titles is dragging the titles down in terms of their worth. I'm sorry that I know that you like these guys. They are good. And sure, no, I agree with you. They've been on a no, bit I... of a winning streak, but it shows us exactly what the company thinks about the tag team division and the worth of those titles. I believe it is a reflection of the tag team scene on Raw that we need to go with the comedy act right now because nobody else, like the Deleters of Worlds, lovely, not really, well, they are a tag team now, but They're, they I were mean, put together tag team. And they were also a comedy act. Like, I'm not against comedy acts being champions. I think Brizongo could have been a good oh. comedy act champion. Oh, Brizongo. I'm just saying, like, if they, if, if they, when they step between the ropes, if they get the job done... I have no problem with a comedy act being... I mean, The New Day, ostensibly, is a comedy act who does happen to get it done between the ropes. Like, I don't really have a problem with that. The problem is, while Bo Dallas is a serviceable wrestler, Curtis Curtis Axel Axel is not. not. And again, the high point of that duo is serviceable for me. Like, that's it. This might be a question for a different... Maybe this is a list episode. Yeah. You all right over there? You, you just slam into something? Yeah, I slam my knee into the desk. It really hurts. Ugh. I'm holding it in, though. Have Mrs. Manson come kiss it and make it better. Mm. Mrs. Manson, when you hear this, <laughs> gonna need a smooch. Um, we will save... The, we could save this conversation, but I just want to ask... Is there a more disappointing second-generation wrestler than Curtis Axel? You are the son of Mr. Perfect, and you are anything but. Granted, I liked the Royal Rumble thing. I thought that was funny. Sure. When he claimed he wasn't like, but again, your, your father's character literally was perfection, and you are Curtis Axel. And maybe it's because they called you Curtis Axel. Well, maybe he I would mean, be better if he had been billed as, well, not Michael McGilligutty. That's what I was about but, to say, because he was billed as someone else, and that also didn't work out. Um, well, that's it. Like you're, you're. It's. It, I think he was doomed from the start. Maybe is the point I am trying to make. Yeah. But I mean, Plus, he had to team with Ryback. Ryback was good compared to uh, <laughs> compared to Curtis Axel. Ugh. Uh, let's see. Did any other titles change? We have a new U.S. champion. Uh, Carmella won. She's now going to fight Becky Lynch. Great. Probably at SummerSlam. My prediction's going to come true. Becky's going to be the one to take it off of her. Nope. What'd you think of uh, the Kevin Owens fall off the cage? Um, it was a long way to fall. I give him all the credit in the world because just I I think I tweeted something like this. I walk into walls and doors on a daily basis. He fell off that cage and twisted his body in midair to land perfectly on that table. He did. And here's the thing. Like, he'll probably never get the same sort of credit. And I don't actually know, you know, what, what the height differentials are here. But 
falling to that table from the top of that steel cage cannot be appreciably less distance to fall than from the top of a hell in the cell. Like No. It's it's all because we've seen it many times. Shane's fallen off of things. People fall off ladders all the time. When Foley fell off that cell, we've never seen anything like it. So it really was Dear God, and Jr. also helped. Dear God, he killed him. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It was very good. Um, I was impressed. Certainly that that occurred. I thought it was clever because, of course, Kevin Owens won, and you could see that coming as he was about to throw him. But it's great that Braun Strowman, as the monster, just doesn't care about wins or losses, um, mm-hmm. as long as in the end he sees that he himself is really the winner. Um, and I think that's what's refreshing about his character is he, he is willing to just do anything. Yeah. Well, and he has the, uh, he said, somebody asked him, one of the interviewers asked him, you know, do you feel, why didn't you come out and stake your claim for Brock Lesnar's title? And he said, cause I have this so they can fight all they want. I'm the monster in the bank. Right. And I was like. It's nice that he is not being billed as the giant stupid wrestler. Oh, yeah. It's the, He's got some brains. I just happen to be big, and I'm smart. I'll just wait. Uh-huh. No, I, I like everything um, they're doing with Braun Strowman. Yes. We we are on the road to SummerSlam. It looks like, like I said, Carmella versus Becky Lynch, Alexa Bliss versus Ronda Rousey, uh, Brock Lesnar versus somebody. Daniel Bryan's going to wrestle The Miz, I'm pretty sure. That storyline got reignited on SmackDown. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. That's kind of the point I'm trying to make. I enjoyed watching wrestling this week. For someone who has not been watching, it was nice to sit down. I actually watched Raw live. I stayed up till 11 o'clock. Well, that's not true. I fell asleep during the main event. But I watch most of it. Yeah, that's, that's most of it. That counts. I woke up in time to see Lashley win and go, huh, people are going to love this. Oh, I went back to one thing that you may be interested in from the Miranda Singh show. Uh, there there was, you know, uh, a, a middle-aged man there with his daughter, young girl. Um, he was wearing a WWE World Tour short, Walk with Elias, Um so there ah. seems to be some crossover between the audiences. That's what I'm saying. I would lo- love to go to an Elias Miranda Singh show. I believe he actually is, WWE is releasing an Elias album. Cool. Sometime soon. He talked about it multiple times during his promo time. Let's see. Did I miss anything else? Do you have anything you wish to say about the Hulk Hogan thing? I do not, but I want to give you the chance to say something if you would like. Um, I agree with the sentiment expressed by both the New Day and Titus O'Neil in their statements that everyone deserves a second and a third chance as long as they mean it. Okay. I wasn't there. Did he mean it? I don't know. Um, so... Nope, that's, that is a very good point. Um, so you watched no wrestling this week. That is correct, sir. Except, except for Extreme Rules, of course. But. Yes. I would be interested to hear your thoughts if you happened to watch, and I know you won't, um, the Sasha Bailey 
backstage interaction. Are you familiar with what I am speaking of? No. Did you see the Twitter? They had something. I was Mrs. Matthews had come into the room, so I had muted it to talk to her. But apparently they were talking, and Sasha said at the end of it, I love you, I always have, I always will. And she walked off, and everyone on Twitter freaked out because they thought this was the beginning of a homosexual storyline for Sasha and Bailey. It's not. And I I went back, I, I wound up, actually, I think I just saw the gif over and over again. Um, so, yeah, I don't think so. I think people were making, again, Twitter making mountains out of invisible molehills. But apparently she did it very well. It was a very, it was a nice change of pace from her to seem sincere or something. I don't know. We'll see. I'm assuming we are getting Sasha versus Bailey as well, because SummerSlam is going to have like 28 matches at this point. 18 hours of wrestling. Uh, Bobby Roode lost a match against Dolph Ziggler because he is no longer glorious. Are we just reading Mojo everything Ro- that happened this week? I mean, it sounds like this is the dregs at this point. Dana Brooke was back. I'm just looking to see what I now see. That's something to be positive about. I Dana wanted Brooke. to make sure that I wanted to make sure she teamed with Alicia Fox. See, getting both of them back because, into the action. Because Kurt Angle had said to Bailey and Sasha, "You need to get this." They asked about the the therapy. They said it didn't go well, and he said, "Look, we settle this in the ring." which made me think they were going to wrestle each other. So he's like, "So you two are going to be a tag team if you can't work together." I'm going to have to trade one of you to SmackDown. Which I thought was interesting, but then they wound up, I believe, winning the match, and then Sasha said she loved her, so I have no idea what's happening. Great. Maybe we'll get some clarity. Doubt it, but maybe. Andrade Almas had a very nice match with AJ Styles. If you are looking for a wrestling match to enjoy, apparently Luchasaurus wrestled Johnny Mundo on Lucha Underground, if you'd like to watch that, or... Uh, Almas versus Styles. I no longer have a service that gets El Rey Network, so I have uh, no way wh- of watching Lucha Underground. Speaking of, what are what do you use? Are you still using the Sling TV? No, no, I have Netflix and Hulu, and that's about it. So that's why you're not watching wrestling is because you don't have a way to watch wrestling. Basically, yeah. Okay, I am looking into. We've got some Fire Sticks. Uh-huh. During Prime Day. Mm. And so I am debating the merits of checking out Sling TV to replace PlayStation View, which is $40 a month, and I think I can get my cable cheaper. Yeah, um, I was looking at El Rey recently, or I'm sorry, Sling TV for some reason, but uh, Viacom pulled all their channels from Sling TV, so El Rey no longer is on Sling TV, as well as all the other Viacom channels, so... Um, Interesting. That was the end of that for now. I will have to. I will have to do the research. It's possible once baseball season is over, it is possible I will go back to not being able to watch Raw or SmackDown either. Uh, then let's go to the emails. Then, since you don't like it when I just read the results from Lords of Pain, let us go to the emails podcast at ddtwrestling.com. We've got a mass of them, although I think some of them are spam. Yeah, Ryan Turner's is spam, I think. But anyways, our first email comes from Bethany Westbrook. Hey, boys, put a shrimp on the Barbie. Bethany Bethany Westbrook here. How are you? Or how you going? 
as they say down under. Before I get to my wrestling question for this week, some housekeeping to take care of by way of some exciting news. After the announcement two weeks ago by WWE about WWE Super Showdown on October 6th in my home country of Australia, I can confirm that Stephanie, Beverly, and Bethany are reunited. That's right, after a year apart, they will join me on the week of the show as we host the DDT Pod Fan Festival to celebrate the 150th episode of DDT Wrestling that month. This, I've not heard of this, this festival. Amazing. Okay, our activities so far include discussing various things we like about DDT. Uh, for example, Doc Manson. Uh, a live periscope about DDT topics, a surprise guest from DDT past, and a Mrs. Manson baking competition. If anyone would like to come, it will be at Edwin's on Olympic Boulevard, just under a mile from the stadium. That's all. More information here. The time. I promise this will be a great day. For DDT. Is it possible to throw a festival in which we have not been involved at all in the planning? I mean, that seems sure. like our style. People people have fan fests all the time without talking to anyone involved in it. It's, it's seemingly impossible that these three women from such disparate backgrounds would be able to get together and organize something. Well, maybe they were college buddies. It's almost like they're going to combine and they'd be part of, like, one mind. Maybe. One very, very deluded mind. <laughs> uh, wrestling time. We are nearing two years since, since Finn Balor was hot-shotted to a world title win on his first pay-per-view. Who in NXT would you like to, and who would you think would, in the same situation, get the same treatment? The natural answer is Adam Cole, but because he is the obvious choice, let's leave Bebe out. I would say Ricochet. He is the perfect person that you would need to showcase as a big deal right away. He is super over as a face and has a natural presence, poise, and big star feel that Balor had to pull it off. Yours? Until next time, from the winter of the Gold Coast of Australia, Bethany Westbrook. The answer is... Nobody! They are never going to give the Finn Balor treatment to anyone, because Finn Balor screwed it up for everyone. Yeah. And by Finn Balor, maybe you could blame Seth Rollins. I mean, maybe Alistair Black. I think he's got a good chance of making a big splash. I don't know if he'll go straight into a title match. I see him being as more... I'm sure there's natural comparisons to be made here in lots of ways. He's more of an Undertaker type. I could see him being introduced perhaps in a different way as a dominating force, but I, I don't know. I think he the will have... The question would be when when he gets called up. Yeah, sure. But yeah, Ricochet, let's face it, man. Ricochet, I like everything you're saying about him, Bethany, but Ricochet is going to show up with a cape, and they're going to just pretend like he's Neville. Even his... His new look with the angels, with like whatever he's wearing now for his matches, he's got some weird kind of entrance gear that has wings on the back. No, and you know what? He might win the title in his very first night, but it'll be the cruiserweight title on 205 Live that no one will be watching. Fair, maybe he'll beat Cedric Alexander in his first match and be the cruiserweight champion. Um, but yeah, that. 
they tried it with Finn Balor, and it blew up spectacularly in their face. I doubt they are willing to do that again. Mm. Well, the next email comes in from Robert Parker. Hey, DC and Doc, if you both were a tag team, who would you like your first feud to be against, and what would be your finisher? Is this our first email from Colonel Robert Parker? He, I don't recall this name before. Do we have a brand new DDT bestie? I don't know. We might. Uh, welcome to the show. He didn't give, if so, he didn't give he didn't give his uh, Twitter handle. So maybe this is maybe again. he's another person who does not have Twitter. It's possible. Um, Robert, let us if know if we. If we were a tag team, who would what, what would our? I'm more interested in the finisher question. Um, I think the Doomsday Device. Am I animal or hawk? And I have to be animal. You're right. whoever's the one who uh, hauls the person up. Yeah, you're going to be the one climbing the top rope and diving off. Yeah, because you don't want me to do that. No, we don't. <laughs> I'll climb up to the top rope and then stand there. <laughs> Scared and slightly wetting myself because I don't want to jump <laughs> off a high thing. Uh, I don't know. Doomsday Device is just an awesome tag team finisher. Uh, I think you, you know, could lift most people up, and then I, I, I could do the easy part of just simply throwing my body at them. See, I think from we should perch. do a version of the Doomsday Device where I do that, and then instead of you jumping off with the clothesline, you jump off for like a Bronco Buster <laughs> and just. Okay. Smash him in the face. Absolutely. Um, and I, I think we should. Our first feud would be against heavy machinery. Um, just so you break your back, and <laughs> so we look like the small ones. <laughs> oh, big Otis. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you so big, Otis? <laughs> uh, good question, Colonel Robert. Uh, we've got two emails from one of our bestie of the besties, Danielle. I'll read this one. <laughs> Hello. I have an educated guess on y'all's discussion on who gets the tips from hairdressers. While that's never been a field I've gone into, I would guess that it would work similar to how the restaurant business works. Also, I am in a sort of conundrum. Hairdresser. If you were to tip that hairdresser, either by handing them the cash or adding the tip to your credit or debit card charge, then that tip would go directly to them. But if you were to put the money in a tip jar, then it's divided out collectively. Insiders look. Baristas cannot accept tips for themselves since it is put into a collective jar. This is so it is easy to give everyone a fair amount of tips. Tips are also based on how many hours you work, so some weeks I come home with $15 and other weeks $25. Tipping is essentially one month of Patreon, four full tanks of gasoline, and four out-to-eat meals for one month. I don't cringe when someone gives change with change. At the end of the day... It adds up. The Conundrum. It is July 18th when this email is being sent. My apartment promised, and promised is in italics, that the pool would open Memorial Day weekend. When I talked with my lease agent, she told me two things. Number one, it should be late June before it opened. Number two, they still didn't have anyone certified to clean the pool and have it up and operating. Okay, no problem. I've been working a lot, so the days to go swimming would be on Wednesdays. Before 4th of July, I asked my apartment complex what's next for the apartment pool to be open, and they said they were still waiting on supplies to be sent in for them to get the pool cleaned. Better chance if they emptied the pool and then refilled it with the proper chemicals. At this rate, I'm just going to assume it's not going to be done before the end of summer or late September, 
bonus of living in the Southwest, pools can stay open till late September. Any ideas on if there's anything I, and 400-plus other tenants, can do for a refund or something since the pool wasn't opened? It would be nice if we didn't have to pay $40 for water since the pool never was opened. I'm also not super upset about it, just disappointed. I've walked into the lease office to see tenants arguing with the leasing agents because the pool isn't open. Also, the fact that they didn't have anyone certified to clean the pool until June shows poor planning. I also feel bad for all the parents who wanted to let their kids go swimming during the summer, and they now have to go spend money to take them to go swimming. On that note, have you guys ever lived in a house or apartment with the not-so-best lease agent? Let's stop here and go back. Um, what can she do? Can she get her for So you pay $40 as like a pool fee? Danielle, I'm assuming, because she says she pays forty dollars for water, but like, I pay, we pay the water bill for the water that comes through our taps. I'm assuming this is not that. I'm assuming this is water just for the pool. I'm assuming not. I'm assuming it's forty dollars that is technically for her water usage and is unrelated to the pool. Well, then, in which case, you're not going to get a refund at all. If they advertise, if you're paying something separately for the right to use the pool, you should be able to fight for that. Otherwise, I would still say there's a chance that you might be able to get some. I mean, if they if they're advertising the presence of a pool as a reason to live there and to pay them your rent money, um, I, I suppose there's something that could be done there. I mean, honestly, at that point, you're talking about legal action, a civil case of some kind. So either you could take them to small claims court in which you could represent yourself, which might be you know, beneficial because then you wouldn't have to pay a lawyer. But at the same time, I'm guessing the intricacies of whether or not they actually would owe you any money is something that you would need a lawyer to sort out. So a small claims court probably isn't the way to go. And to help all those people you live with, the 400 plus other tenants, you're probably talking more like a class action lawsuit of some kind. So uh, I don't know. Maybe find a local college if they have anybody with any sort of legal programs. A lot of times they do open clinics. Um, periodically on the weekends, you might want to go stop mm -hmm. by, tell them your story and see if they have any advice. I would also read over your lease because, you know, the, the lease that we just recently re-signed mentions, you know, the fitness center and all of that. We do not have a pool, but it does say that we are entitled to use of the fitness center and such. So you might want to be familiar with that as well. Plus, let me just say swimming in a pool with kids in the summer not all it's cracked up to be. All right, moving on. On that note, have you guys ever lived in a house or apartment with the not-so-best lease agents? What's amusing is that I plan on staying this, in this apartment for another lease because it's cheap and way out in the country. I also live on the third floor and really don't want to move to where rent will go up $50 or more for a tiny apartment. Also, still haven't watched any live WWE programming since WrestleMania. Mainly, I just listen to y'all and NAI to stay up to date. Cheers, Danielle. So do you not watch pay-per-views? Are you just, like, literally you've watched WrestleMania and that's it? Sounds like it. Interesting. Well, we're glad to be your one-stop shop for all things wrestling and silliness. Um, the one that comes to mind is when we lived in that house uh -huh. with the creepy guy. The creepy guy. Do you remember our landlord when we lived in the house? And his, like, he lived in a house that was, like, adjacent to the property, and there were, like, all of these junk cars in the driveway, and 
Are you talking about the guy who, um, who you would go on to teach his children? I wasn't gonna bring that part up, but yes, <laughs> I can. I can edit that out, I suppose. No, uh, you don't need to. I, I think we're safe. Yeah. But uh, yes. I didn't think he was that creepy. He wasn't that creepy, but well, he was more creepy when I taught his kids. See, that's um, that's I think what happens is whatever your opinion is of this fellow, I think, I think it, it, it is persuaded by your future interactions with him. At the time, I think he was fine. He left us the yeah. hell alone, and that was really that all we wanted. Nice. That was very nice. Um, so, no, I have not had, you know, I've been living in this apartment complex for over 10 years now, and we have had no problems at all. They are always very pleasant and very professional. Yeah, can't say I've had any problems myself. All right, she sent another email. It's my 10-minute break, and I just had a 10-minute conversation with a hairdresser. She's doing research for us, Doc. Yes. So here's how tipping works. There's three different ways to work as a hairdresser. One is to be a supervisor, where you are paid hourly, but tips are shared. Second way is to work for commission and to have tips split 40-60 between the cost of renting your chair or claiming tips. Third is to have tips directly go towards the chair rental, but you get paid a smaller hourly wage. If you tip the receptionist, the receptionist gets the money. I was partially correct. Also, chairs are rented, or you can buy your own space. Yay for learning about people's jobs, Danielle. Well, thank you for doing the research, Danielle. We truly appreciate it. I'm going to imagine the place we go is the second way. Yeah, I think they probably rent the chair. And I don't know exactly how the tip is split. I have to imagine it doesn't really matter if the money's coming from the tip or from their pocket. What's, what's interesting about the place we go, though, is I put an envelope with the name of my hairdresser and the money inside. So I imagine it all goes to them, but I do think they probably use that money to pay for the chair. I think that's probably the case. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. All right. Our next email comes from DDT bestie Glenn. Hi guys from the desert. That is the UK at the moment. A two part yeah, question for you this week. Who was your first celebrity crush when growing up? And also, who was your first lady wrestler that got things moving in the pants department? <laughs> As always, your bestie, oh, Glenn. Glenn, this might be the greatest email you've ever sent. <laughs> <laughs> got things moving in the pants department. Because this episode was going to be called <laughs> Bobbly Lashley and Romaine Reigns, but it might be Bobbly Lashley and Romaine Reigns in the pants department. Um... Both of those, I believe, have the same answer for me. Well, let's I, you. I think you have to separate them. Uh, while you could give the same answer for both of them, so I'll give two. Yeah, I give give, two. give a wrestler and a non wrestler. Okay, so go ahead. Um, I'm still trying to decide on the wrestler. I mean, if I'm being a hundred percent honest, I mean it's probably the same answer as you. It's probably Sunny. Yeah. I mean. We were just the right age. <laughs> which is, which is, yes, which is hilarious because I'm watching 2000 year WCW and she makes a return and it's like she fell out of the ugly tree. <laughs> like, seriously. Come on. She, uh, no, you need to, see, like, clearly she is on some, she kind of, no, let me, okay, let me try to be nice. Um, she has not aged well. 
she's had a troubled and history. She did have a troubled history, but there was a there was a there was a couple of years before I really knew what the internet was. Yeah. Where Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Uh who's your non wrestler? <sighs> Stephanie Tanner? Probably. Really? Yeah. Again, I, I'm dr- I don't know what that says about me because the the actress I don't remember her name, but she didn't have a great she had a troubled history. Jody too, Sweeten, if I, I think. Correctly. What is it? Is her name Jody Sweeten? Sure, let's go with that. That sounds right. That sounds close to being right. Uh, yeah, Jody yeah. Sweeten. Either that or the Pink Power Ranger. The th- Ooh, Kimberly, very nice. Um, so the thing that I find weird about Jody Sweeten is, and don't get me wrong, she's a total babe. Like now. <laughs> Like, why do you think I'm watching Fuller House? Total babe. But um, here's the thing. She would have been, like, age-appropriate at the time, right? So, like, you were watching this celebrity who was, again, probably not that dissimilar in age. Are you saying I would have had a shot? I'm not saying, well, mate, yes, absolutely. I am saying that. Little, little bruiser, DC Matthews. <laughs> yes. With absolutely. his shaved head and his Coke bottle glasses. But I just, I think that's, I do think that's interesting that you chose someone who would have been age appropriate. I think that's, I don't know. That's, that's sweet. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like, that's, that's Who's interesting. Yours, What's that? Who's yours? I don't. <sighs> no, you can't. Don't. I'm trying to think of like what the year would have been to know whether or not this is even possible if it's really the first one. Mrs. Brady from the Brady Bunch. No, but like I'm thinking like the first one that I can like really th- remember is like Jillian Anderson. Um, right, but like what year did that show debut? How old was I at that time? Ninety. Yeah. So I mean, I guess that's possible. 93. Yeah. So, yeah, you would have been 10. Yeah. I th- I, uh, Jillian Anderson might be might be the one for me. Um, oh, Scully. Yeah. Yeah, something about Scully. I don't know. Good to know. Redheads, man. Sorry. Scrolling through your dating history in my head. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> Yeah. How about oh, you, Glenn? Ms. You can't ask a, a, a question like that. That's a good point. Um, homework for all of you. <laughs> homework for all of you. Oh, yeah. This is going to be a great Listening. set of emails. Uh, email us. You have to email it. Don't just tweet it. Email us, podcast at ddtwrestling.com. Two-part question. Your first celebrity or crush, and whichever wrestler, let's not be gender specific, wrestler male or female, that got you moving. Well, hold on. Would it be moving? <laughs> I want the subject line of these messages to be pants party. If you're answering these questions, subject line, pants party, please. Yes. And you can send and those emails to podcast pod- at Wrestling. Yeah, thank you. While we are on the subject of homework assignments, if you are interested in the 2018 DDT draft, there's a form. Check my Twitter page. Okay, there hold is on. There's a form you can fill out We're gonna talk. to register. We're going to talk more about the draft in a second. Let's, let's finish up with these emails. Okay. Our last email was sent to us while we were recording, and it's Jeremy Carlisle with the subject line, Do Mine, Do Mine. Hey, guys. Long-time listener. Many-time writer-inner. 
zero time caller. Bestie forever. Thanks for taking my email. Thank you for writing. Very excited about the DDT draft this year. Last year's draft was tons of fun. Got to know some new people, both real and wrestlers, who I guess are also real people, but that's a debate for another day. Riddle me this, Batman. Who is a likely first round pick in this year's Diddit draft, who is most likely not to be drafted at all five years from now? In other words, I guess my morbid question can be rephrased as, who is hot now that won't be working a mere five years from now? Other than Brock Lesnar. Sent from my Hotmail on my iPhone. Jeremy. I'm really impressed people still use Hotmail. <clears throat> I remember starting an eFed or trying to start an eFed uh-huh. uh, called the Hardcore Wrestling Federation. And my first ever email that was exclusively mine, except for I think I shared it with a friend, was hwf66 at hotmail.com. Great. Because we were badass. <laughs> um, well, good. Jeremy's email brings up the Dedita draft. Which, uh, which I did do a Pontificast pod blast, which is just fun to say. Yeah. Um, so here's the thing. Here's the thing about that pod yes. blast. It's a good 16 minutes long, and there's no way I'm going to listen to you for 16 minutes talking about the rules of this draft. So could you please sure. just sort of summarize for me? What did you? Where did you come down? You were you were soliciting feedback on Twitter. Yeah, I told we, you that you should not. Uh, allow anyone to draft anyone in teams or trios, but I, I'm assuming you ignored me because you did not engage me did, in a conversation. Because so. you are the only person to say that. Oh, all I'm saying is it fixes a lot of problems. And right. not only does it fix a lot of problems, and this is something that people probably aren't thinking about, it adds a whole extra layer of strategy to the draft. Because if you want a tag team now, you've got to go and you've got to claim one of them in one of your picks, right? So now other people know that you're trying, probably, to claim that tag team, right? So then they're going to say, well, if I, I really want to pick up the other guy, because then maybe I've got some standing for later on for some trades, if trades are going to be a thing. Um, Had you listened to the pot blast, you would know. Well, you're going to have to fill me in then. I refer you to the 16 minutes. I will not listen to it. (laughs) Uh, But yes, we are doing the fantasy wrestling draft. You answered my question. I'm going to. I'm introducing Uh it. Uh, Eight people per pool. Somewhere around 25 rounds. Snake draft format. I feel like we've had this conversation last year, but I'll refresh. Um... Snake draft, you go down one way, then back the other. Um, the The rule that I had established, now there's a caveat here, mm-hmm. but the rule I had established, each person is allowed to draft one trio. That's it. If you want New Day, you can draft New Day, but you can't draft British Strong Style on top of that. Um, and the tag teams, the results of my poll, all 13 people who voted, uh we went with three. You had to have at least three matches as a team because that was one of the problems last year. If Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman randomly teamed on Raw, people were saying, well, that's a tag team. It is a tag and team. So, well, so we have said now they need to have at least three matches, which I do think adds a good layer of strategy because were I to draft 
what I would be doing is I would be going through live results and I would be looking to see, did Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman randomly team up on house shows three times? Well, see, here's because the thing. if they did, you can make the case for it. Absolutely. But I think you should go a step further. If you're really going to go with this ridiculousness uh, of saying it's three times an arbitrary number, I think you should also say it has to be televised or it doesn't count. All sorts of things happen on house shows that aren't canon. So You make a valid point. Now, here's where I said there was a caveat. Because I've been doing some sneaky behind-the-scenes work. I'd like to do the DDT bestie pool. Mm. Where it is just our besties who regularly email us. Danielle's in, Glenn's in, Mitchell's in, Che's in. But I want you to be in. And in order to sweeten the pot... Okay. I haven't consulted with the besties, but that's okay, because they're going to go with it because I said so. <laughs> For our pool, okay. I will say you can't draft teams, because now I am sort of curious to see how that would work if we couldn't draft teams, and I would because there are trades allowed. See, there you go. This year for the very first time. Like, so if, if I were to draft Scott Dawson, and then you, being the bastard that you are, <laughs> drafted Dash Wilder, I would need to say, I'll trade you. See, I think that adds a, a whole degree of intrigue to the proceedings. So, and, and, it, it, told, and again, it gets around the entire thing where people feel like they've been slighted because somebody picked up three really good wrestlers because they chose British Strong Style. You know what I mean? Like, it just, it just completely smooths that There's, out. There are arguments to be made on either side, but if you, because I'll do it too. We will be two people in the draft, and we will get our besties, and if we need to make it nine or ten people, we can do that. The only thing I'm going to say is, because I randomly assign the people, if you're drafting directly after me, I'm going to lose my mind. Because <laughs> you will make it the point not to draft your best roster. What is the roster I could draft that will just irritate DC It's true. The most. But I will say, looking back at the draft last year, I don't know if you still have that information anywhere. I do. I actually think I had the best roster out of our group last year. I think I was very uh, sort of future-sighted, and I think a lot of those picks uh, have come into their own over the course of this past year. I know, well, I know uh, Liam, that... Liam liked to think that he had... Uh, the best picks, but I actually don't think that's the case anymore. That is the thing that I do think we should establish, and perhaps in hindsight, that was a question I should have included on the registration form, is we need to establish what we're drafting for. If we're drafting for what is the best roster today, because we haven't answered Jeremy's question yet. If I'm drafting a roster to use in 2018... My strategy is going to be very different than if I say this is the roster that I'm now going to use until 2025. Well, yeah. So I do think we need to say you're drafting with an eye on the future because I believe one of your first picks was Johnny Gargano. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I scoffed at you. Scoffed. I will freely admit to treating that pick with derision, and now it seems prescient. Because Johnny Gargano is potentially a future NXT champion and going to be, ideally, uh, could be the next Daniel Bryan. 
I'd like to point out. He in NXT I got, as the next Daniel Bryan. On my roster, I had Johnny Gargano. I had Tommaso Ciampa. I had Candice LeRae. Like, I had... Well, you're two for three, then. What do you mean? Candice LeRae's done nothing. Please. She's going to be a big deal. Okay. If you say Alistair so. Alistair Black. Oh, yeah. So you I've just, got, what, drafted, drafted the NXT roster? Was that your strategy? No, I had a great strategy. I had a, I had a narrative in mind. So, which we never shared. The question I'm asking you is, are you in? Will you fill out? Well, no, you won't fill out the registration form. Can I fill out the registration form for you? Of course you may. Thank you. So is this are just going to be through Twitter this time, just like last time? Yeah. A DM? Okay, yeah. that I can do. I debated the merits of trying to do something more immediate, but that's asking people from various time zones to be in the same place at the same time, and it's just not going to work. Yeah. 24-hour time limit. So when I make my pick, whoever picks after me has 24 hours to make their pick. I think you should make it 12 hours. Just to speed things up? Yeah, because, I mean, if you make your pick and the next person, say, is, in fact, on the other side of the world, I mean, 12 hours still ought to give them the time they need to make that pick. Should we split the difference and say 18? That seems kind of, is that complicated? Then that, that just becomes complicated. Then All you right. have to start doing maths. I will take that under advisement. I don't know, I don't know if I am willing to go with a 12-hour time limit, but we'll, we'll, ask, we'll ask the besties. If the besties think it'll work, then... So, besties, you have another homework assignment on top of the pants party one. Hashtag 12 hours, hashtag 24 hours. So what about Jeremy's uh, question? So besides Brock Lesnar, who is... Why is this up? Who is the... I closed out of everything. Um, who is most likely not to be drafted? Who's a first-round pick? So who are the first-round picks going to be this year? Brock Lesnar, Braun Strowman, probably Gargano and Ciampa at this point. I think Braun Strowman's one who may not uh, be wrestling in five years. You don't think so? I like Braun Strowman, but let's be honest. Monster characters don't always have a long shelf life. There are a couple of good examples, but... That's true. That's true, that's true. Uh, Daniel Bryan. Now, I don't know if he will be a first-round pick, but there's enough people who have uh, just a lot of love for Daniel Bryan, and I'm, I'm not sure he's wrestling in WWE in November, let alone in five years. Mm. And I imagine if he moves to the independence, he's not lasting that long. So I'll say Daniel Bryan. Okay. That's not a bad one, I suppose. All right there, folks. Um, would you consider Miranda Sings to be a celebrity crush? Do you still have celebrity crushes? Oh, yes. Absolutely. Okay. Oh. You're shrugging. But I do mean, whatever. Not really. Oh, she doesn't right. do porn, okay? So it's not like That's that. That's true. Do you want to create your own alternate universe character? Because while Doc Manson is a character, I got to say, he's pretty close to the real deal. So <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah, Doc Manson totally is a uh The Weekly Wrestling character. News character. The Weekly Wrestling News character. That guy, that was a character. Sure, sure. The Weekly Wrestling News I mean, I don't know. Doc Manson, I think, was more of a character back in the day, and he's sort of just 
morphed more into just me, but you know. That's true. I don't know. Um, piece of positivity from anything. You can be Miranda Sings, it can be the world of wrestling. So in Miranda Sings' show, she does this segment because she is, uh, you know, they talk about your classical triple threats, right? In the entertainment world. Uh, 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 actors, singers, dancers. She is not a triple threat. She is a quintuple threat. Uh, singer, dancer, actor, model, and magician. And so she does this, uh, you know, these the series of, of skits where she's going through showing you all of your talent, all of the talents. And um, by the the last segment of this, she is doing. Uh, both singing and magician at the same time. She's showing you both talents at the same time. And so she does this thing. She's in this full, like, opera uh, outfit. And the, the joke is she puts this, this contraption on her neck and, and a sword pierces through her throat, right? So that's the magician part of it. It's not supposed to affect her singing at all, right? And so, the, but the, the joke of it is... When the sword goes through her neck, it changes from being terrible singing to perfect opera singing. And it's just, it's, it's, it's very humorous, in, out, in, out. And it's just, again, it's just very amazing seeing how good of a singer Colleen actually is. I was going to say, that's a, that's a level of vocal control that most people do not possess to be able to go through. Yeah. They say that it takes a really good singer to sing really badly agreed um and so. again that was it was a great moment i thought it was I, I was dying uh really good that's my piece of positivity i really enjoyed uh that part of the show uh i will stick in the wrestling world and i will say that currently right now in this moment bo dallas and luke harper have titles and rusev just challenged for a title there's not much more i can ask for did you enjoy AJ Styles versus Rusev? I thought the match was good. Yes, it was It was a good match. All right. So, I'm enjoying WWE uh, lately. I am looking forward to the road to Summer Slam. Anything else you would like to say, Doc Manson, before we head out into that balmy evening? Send your emails to podcast at ddtwrestling.com and visit us on the web. Listen to all of our episodes at ddtpod.com. And you can see some old, at this point, news articles by going to ddtwrestling.com. And finally... Patreon.com slash ddtwrestling. Get some bonus audio every so often. And if you'd like, send us some shuckles. Yes. Uh, I've been, you know, adding more and more bonus content on the Patreon. We've uh, been doing a little bit... I have some behind-the-scenes photos... Mostly just one, if I recall. Um, and we've done a couple of audios. And uh, I am going to upload uh, probably later today. I got some audio. So you can hear what an auditorium full of screaming 12-year-olds sounds like. And I'm going to upload that to the page. It's the full Doc Manson Sees Miranda Sings experience. Only available to the patrons of DDT Wrestling Patreon.com forward slash DDT Wrestling to get yours. How can you say no? Uh, sign up for the draft and send us your emails about the pants department. We want to know about your pants. <laughs> he is Doc Manson at Doc Manson. I am DC Matthews at the DC Matthews. And until we meet again, my friends, won't you be our bestie? <laughs> <laughs>